Hi there, Steve Kaufman here today again to talk about languages. And today I want to talk about the Russian language and the Ukrainian language. And I have a special guest, Ksenia Turkova, who has her own uh, YouTube channel, which I'll leave a link to in the description box. But many of you may know, oh, and by the way, if you enjoy my videos, please subscribe, click on the bell for notifications. And if you follow me on a podcast service, please leave a comment. I do appreciate it. Now, there are many, I would say, related languages in the world, uh, geographically close to each other, um, vocabulary, syntax, and so forth that are close to each other. Uh, and uh, But sometimes this makes it more difficult to learn the language because it's so similar. And so I want to talk today about, because Ksenia is in the position of a native speaker of Russian, in fact, someone from Russia who lived in Ukraine and learned Ukrainian to, I would say, native to a native level. But it's something that's of interest to me, A, because of my interest in Ukraine and Russia, but also because it comes up when, say, Spanish speakers try to learn Portuguese, or uh, people from uh, Spain want to learn Catalan, or Swedes have to learn Danish. Uh, there are advantages and disadvantages. So my first question is, how difficult, all right, question number one, a Russian, someone from Russia who has never heard Ukrainian in his or her life, here's Ukrainian, what percentage do they understand? I would say, hmm, maybe, or maybe about 40 or 50, mm -hmm. uh, but not more, especially when people talk fast. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and also it depends on the sphere uh, we are talking about. So for example, right. if you go to the restaurant and you want to order something there, you will understand, of course. Mm -hmm. But if you listen, uh, if you are listening to the radio station, uh, mm. I'm afraid that you probably will understand like 30%. If you have never, um, if you have never heard Ukrainian, because they sp they speak very fast and they use a lot of uh, words that are different from uh, Russian mm -hmm. vocabulary. Uh, that's actually what I faced with when I moved to Ukraine because mm -hmm. I don't have Ukrainian roots. I've mm -hmm. never been in the Ukrainian environment. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't travel to Ukraine maybe once or twice, just for several days. And I moved for work, uh, although mm -hmm. I was not required to learn Ukrainian because our radio station was half Russian, half Ukrainian, and I was allowed to use uh, Russian language. I mm -hmm. decided from the first day that I would learn Ukrainian. Uh, first, out of respect, because I think it's a it's an essential thing when you move to another country, you need mm -hmm. to at least to make an effort to learn the language of that country out of respect. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, also, I just like languages and uh, I love learning languages. So I decided to, to start right away. Uh, and um, I remember how I started with listening because mm. we are we were preparing to launch a new radio station and mm -hmm. to be able to talk with the guests on radio on air i was uh, i needed to understand them uh, right. and that was a problem in the beginning i remember i was listening to uh, just some interviews on radio, I recorded them, and I was sitting with my teacher and listening to them, and I didn't understand anything. Mm -hmm. I did understand some words, but I couldn't understand the whole 
sentence or I couldn't uh, tell what what they were talking about. So we just stopped the recordings and mm -hmm. I asked her, what was that word? What was that word? And then my ear get adjusted to that. Uh, and after that, uh, I started. So first I adjusted my ear to Ukrainian. Mm -hmm. And of course, I started reading. But uh, then I started to uh, try speaking. Uh, like, and uh, I took classes. I, I, uh, I took classes uh, very, very often uh, the first time. Right. Couple of questions because you said some very interesting things. First of all, so forty to fifty percent comprehension. Russian speakers who have never heard Ukrainian. Okay, so forty fifty percent. Is that about the same as say Czech or Polish, or are they even less comprehensible to Russian speakers? L even less. Even less. Even the less. interesting thing is that. For example, if you know Russian and Belarusian language, you can understand Ukrainian. If yes. you know Russian and Ukrainian, you can understand Belarusian. But if you know only Russian, you can't understand Ukrainian or Belarusian. That's right. a very interesting phenomenon. But Polish and Czech even less. Polish and Czech even less. Uh, Ukrainian okay. people understand Polish language more. Mm -hmm. Second question or second point wise, you made a very important point, and that is when you arrived in Ukraine, you decided right away to learn Ukrainian. It, I think if you had not done so, if you say waited a year, you would probably be less motivated to learn. I always say that when you first arrive in the country, that's when you have to attack the language and then you develop habits of operating in the language of the country rather than operating in your own native language. Uh, and the third thing you said was that comprehension was so important. And, and that's why I started learning Ukrainian, because I was watching Schuster Live on Ukrainian TV in 2014, following the events in the Donbass and so forth. And as you, as you said, in those days, half the people on television spoke Ukrainian, half of them spoke Russian, and I couldn't understand the Ukrainians. I mean, I can understand some of it. I felt I should be able to understand, but I couldn't. And there's also been an evolution in Ukraine where Political leaders now never use Russian, whereas in 2014, a number of the members of the government even spoke in Russian all the time, which is no longer the case. So to what extent, though, as a speaker of Russian and living in Ukraine, you can communicate in Russian. Everybody will understand you. Half the people, depending on where you are in the country, are native speakers of Russian. So there would be a tremendous temptation to just speak Russian. Was it difficult for you to force yourself to speak Ukrainian? Well, I spoke Russian a lot. I still spoke Russian a lot, but I tried to speak Ukrainian on radio with mm. Ukrainian speaking guests. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I tried to speak Ukrainian with my Ukrainian speaking friends uh, mm -hmm. because I had friends, for example, who spoke. Um, they didn't speak Russian very well. Uh, mm -hmm. So Russian was definitely as a foreign language for them. They were able to speak Russian, but uh, they made an effort. Mm -hmm. uh, and I tried to speak Ukrainian, uh, uh, Ukrainian with them. And also maybe it would be uh, interesting that um, when I tried to speak Ukrainian on air, since I was allowed to speak Russian, I did this. Uh, I started uh, implementing Ukrainian sentences and phrases mm -hmm. just one by one. Uh, mm -hmm. for, for example, uh, I'm on air and I have a Ukrainian guest on the phone, not in the studio. Right. And uh, I had a co-host. 
mm-hmm. so we spoke Russian with my co-host and mm-hmm. we have a Ukrainian speaking guest. And I tried mm-hmm. to ask uh, them a couple of questions in Ukrainian just for, to, for the start. Uh, to make it less stressful. So mm-hmm. I would speak Russian, then I switched to Ukrainian to ask only one or two questions. Then mm-hmm. my co-host uh, continues, and uh, then I say goodbye, for example, in Ukrainian, and thank you mm-hmm. for uh, for being with us. Uh, then, uh, let's say in a week, uh, mm-hmm. I will ask more, like three or five questions in Ukrainian. But to what extent and... you continue to mix? To what extent almost not intending to mix the two, but you're trying to speak Ukrainian and Russian words show up. To, to what extent did that continue to happen? Uh, I, I I mixed it to the to some point, and uh, I at some point I was able to be on air, like let's say um, half an hour or the whole hour speaking only Ukrainian with no Russian words. No Russian words at all. No yes. surgic. I'm sorry. No surgic. No surgic. Uh, no, no surgic, no surgic. I think people who learn Ukrainian, they are more purist uh, ah. than people who are native Ukrainians, because I think it's the common thing with any language. When you are learning the language, you are trying to speak pure language and you are trying to avoid the mistakes. And that's why I think uh, those who learn Ukrainian, they try to avoid surgic. A question, as a Russian speaker, what was most difficult in Ukrainian? Was it the grammar, the vocabulary, or the pronunciation? I would say the most uh, most difficult thing for the Russian speakers is always the pronunciation. It's mm-hmm. very different uh, in Ukrainian and the vocabulary in the second place. Uh, mm-hmm. Ukrainians are very picky about pronunciation. Uh, so, you know, there are uh, the, the legends or maybe it's truth about French people. I know French, but uh, French people never corrected me. So I didn't have that experience. But I know that, that there is a stereotype that French people would correct you uh, when, when you say something not in the proper way. And mm-hmm. Ukrainians are the same. Uh, they are very, uh, very picky about pronunciation and about using the right words. So they would correct you and sometimes they would make fun of you uh, and uh, that's what um, I, I don't like that approach very much and I think they understood that uh, it was not right because when uh, the war began I saw uh, you know like the notes in the restaurants and the coffee shops uh, uh, Russian uh, Russian speaking people who are uh, trying to speak Ukrainian you are not funny uh, you are wonderful uh, mm. So they changed that approach, uh, which is very good, but they mm. used to be like that. So I was afraid to speak Ukrainian and that's why I worked on my pronunciation. One more life hack. I have mm. a son and uh, he was only three years old when we moved to Ukraine. So mm. I tried to read uh, books to him in Ukrainian every evening. Uh, uh, <laughs> and that helped a lot because it's mm. a simple vocabulary in right. uh, children's books and uh, I was practicing Ukrainian like that and also uh, on the radio and during my lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always say unsolicited criticism is absolutely not welcome. I don't think anyone should correct another person speaking a language unless they deliberately ask for it because all it does is discourage them. Basically, people just want to communicate. 
I must say, me as a Canadian, no Ukrainian ever criticizes me for my Ukrainian. <laughs> However poorly I speak, they say, wow, your Ukrainian is wonderful. So I think as a Russian speaker, they don't know maybe whether you're from Russia or you're Ukrainian, Russian speaker, whatever, they might be more demanding. For me, yes, not, yes, I think that's a not demanding yes. at all. They just whatever I do is good, you know. So, yeah, but I, I think in general we shouldn't criticize people mm -hmm. if they're uh, speaking our language. I would never, if I speak to someone in English and they make mistakes, I would never correct them. Never correct them. I oh, think I agree with you. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. and the second thing is vocabulary, as I said, uh, yeah. because uh, in Ukrainian language there are a lot of words that um, are completely different from mm. uh, the Russian ones. Uh, and uh, I was uh, just for fun. I was uh, writing some sentences that are completely different. That they they don't have any common word in Russian right. and in Ukrainian. Uh, so uh, if you want to say, for example, in Russian and in Ukrainian, a sentence. Uh, an educated person should use uh, and uh, should use independent uh, resources. Uh, mm -hmm. In Russian, it would sound like образованный человек должен пользоваться независимыми источниками. And mm -hmm. in Ukrainian, it will sound like освещенная людина має користуватися незалежними джерелами. And yeah. you can't yeah. find any word in common uh, in those two sentences. Uh, <laughs> so it shows you that the languages are very different, that it's not some kind of twisted Russian. Uh, there is a stereotype like that. Uh, actually, it's a propaganda, propagandist myth uh, in Russia that uh, Russian language and Belarusian language, they are some kind of twisted Russian. No, they're not. Uh, fam, Belarusian is very similar to Ukrainian. And I, I'm not, it's not clear in my mind to what extent that's due to the original sort of church Slavonic, which was the origin of these Eastern Slavic languages, or the fact that Belarus and Ukraine were part of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth for three, four hundred years. And I don't know who influenced who, whether the Ukrainian language influenced Polish or whether the Polish language influenced uh, Ukrainian, but the vocabulary in Polish is closer, Polish and Ukrainian are closer in terms Definitely. of vocabulary, than either one is to Russian. Russian is kind of the, even amongst all the Slavic languages, Russian is a bit of an outlier. Right. Even Slovak and Czech have more vocabulary in common. I'm not sure what the historical reasons for that you know, are, but that is in fact the fact. Yes, so, yeah, I think Ukrainian I, language was uh, definitely influenced by Polish language a lot, and Polish yeah. language uh, was influenced by German language. That's why in the Ukrainian, actually, there are a lot of words uh, common with uh, with German roots, uh, and you can but, recognize but in Russian them. as well. But in Russian as well, there's lots of German words. Uh, yes, yes, but about they're different. <laughs> they're yeah, they're different, different than but, from different uh, always, uh, different eras. Yeah, yeah. there's always influence. But people say, well, you know, Russian is full of Finno-Ugric words or Tatar words. That's not true. There's hardly any. There's far more Western European words in Russian than Finno-Ugric or, or Tatar origin words. So I think all of those languages were influenced by, you know, European culture, whatever, literature, words. Yes, that's true. But actually, uh, Russian language has a lot of Tatar words and... Uh, 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 Russian language has a lot of uh, words from different cultures and uh, now, uh, you know, uh, in Russia, politicians, they are trying to 
fight uh, against the influence of other languages. They want to keep right. Russian pure, which is absolutely not possible because uh, Russian language has so many words with uh, different roots from different Would languages. Both, Even yeah. the words you think they are pure Russian, but they're right. not. Yeah, no, and that's true of every language. You know, every language is influenced and, and it'll continue. You know, I, I'm right now I'm learning Persian and Arabic and Turkish and they have 15% shared vocabulary for all kinds of historical reasons. Uh, Japanese is full of loan words. Japanese is 50% Chinese words. I mean, every, there is no pure, there is no pure out there. There's no, no, no pure people, no pure language. We live in a, you know, connected world. So, but that's interesting. So uh, after a while then living in Ukraine, people would assume that you're Ukrainian. If they interacted with you, uh, if I speak Ukrainian, uh, some yeah. people, they don't believe I was born in Moscow and uh, I'm from Moscow, from Russia. So they, they think I'm Ukrainian. Yes, I, it happened to me. Living in Washington, D.C., to what extent is there increased interest in learning Ukrainian amongst Americans, let's say? Any at all or not so much? I don't know any numbers, but I definitely see that uh, a lot of uh, Russian-speaking Ukrainians switch to Ukrainian now, and I have a f I have friends like that. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, I uh, have a friend. I recorded an interview with her to, for my YouTube channel. By the way, she's from Kharkiv, and right. uh, she's from a Russian-speaking family. Uh, she mm -hmm. was predominantly Russian-speaking. Uh, she knew Ukrainian from school, but she didn't use it much. And right. uh, when the war started, and you know what happened with Kharkiv during the mm -hmm. war, uh, mm -hmm. and she made a decision. She wrote to everybody. I do remember I um, received a message from her. Uh, saying that uh, from that day I'm switching to Ukrainian. Uh, mm. I mean, she switched to Ukrainian with those people who can speak Ukrainian. So she knew right. I can speak Ukrainian. So she um, mm. she sent this message to me. So a lot of people in diaspora they uh, they uh, switch to Ukrainian now, and I see a lot of movement. For example. Uh, like uh, camps, uh, summer camps for kids in Ukrainian and in Kazakh, by the way. It was the first year, I live six years here, and it was first time I saw Kazakh camp uh, right. this summer. Wow. Uh, and uh, the same thing in Ukrainian. People start uh, activities for kids in Ukrainian camps, uh, theater. I, by the way, I'm involved in a New Year performance. I'm playing uh, in the Ukrainian uh, amateur theater with uh, for, for the uh, it's a kids performance for the new year <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's very interesting you know and and uh, Kazakh I mean after all that's a huge country Kazakhstan huge country and uh, I don't know how close it is to Turkish but uh, maybe we could close on that theme there is no language that's less important than other languages I, I really believe that uh, a certain language may be more important to me because I live in a country where that language is spoken or because I have an interest in that culture. But, you know, objectively, all languages are equally important. It may be that, you know, everyone knows of Shakespeare or of Tolstoy because lots of PR behind those languages and behind those works of art. Oh, Maybe of there course. are works of literature from Kazakhstan or from Ukraine that are equally valuable, but no one has read them. No one knows about them. And so I think it's very important to treat each language as being uh, equally important. 
Yes. And I also wanted to mention, I, I think it's very important when we are talking about Ukraine and uh, Ukraine uh, as a multicultural country. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's very important to mention Crimean Tatar language. Of course. Uh, and uh, I actually started learning Crimean Tatar. I stopped uh, because it was difficult and I didn't have time and I didn't have that motivation. Uh, but right. I want to get back uh, to that language uh, mm -hmm. one day, someday. I have a friend, a very, very good friend, Crimean Tatar. Uh, she uh, she's from Ukraine, and we uh, at some point we lived uh, together. And uh, she's Crimean Tatar, and she's a teacher of Crimean Tatar language. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, she was trying to teach me. I even uh, still have that notebook with my notes in Crimean Tatar. Uh, and uh, I think it's um, it's a very important um, it's very important as a sign of support of this uh, population because yes. they were always oppressed by the Russian Empire and then by Soviet Union and, thou, and now Crimean Tatars are oppressed in the, in the next Crimea. So I think it's important to talk about their language and their culture as well. Absolutely. Okay. Well, listen, I think I have the impression we could go on forever talking about languages and language learning, but uh, thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, a lot of my listeners will understand more about Ukrainian and Russian and how the languages are similar and different. And, uh, you know, I salute you for wanting to learn Crimean Tatar. I don't think I'll get there. I have other languages I can learn first. But thank you very much. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.